Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine, and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to what is series number 19, episode 6. But we're calling this Bathurst Breakfast Midweek Motorsport. I am sitting in the Bathurst press room looking at the Repco Bathurst 12 Hours backdrop that will be pressed into service across this weekend and most notably on Sunday evening, sometime around about a quarter past to the half past six local time. Uh, it will have the winners of the 2024 event. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Midweek Motorsport. Uh, the sun has risen, and it was a beautiful sunrise this morning. Uh, the dawn chorus woke me up a long time before that. Uh, it is a Midweek Motorsport live from Bathurst, or at least partially live from Bathurst. And just to prove I'm in Australia, here's Krilzy. He's off to my right. <laughs> Good morning. Good day. Good day. Thank you. You will. I am. I have. I have proved my. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just accepting that as proof that you're in Australia. That's just proof that you're near to Richard Crail. Well, that that is true, in fairness. Um, Who has been known to visit Europe on occasion. I'm not sure how else we we prove. Well, I did have Vegemite on white toast this morning. Again, that's available in supermarkets everywhere now. Mm. More to pity. I mean, there's some kangaroos out the back in the campground we could go and get. Okay. The cleaners yeah. of the media centre would be angry at me, but it would that would, I feel, be unequivocal proof mm. of our existence. Uh, yes, that, that is fair, fair. As you heard there, Tim Gray is still up in London. Uh, so good evening as it is to you, Tim. Introduce you properly. Thank you. Good evening, John. Good evening, Crowley. And good evening, listener. And on a packed small... Uh, sorry, a packed show... Tonight, we have what? We have all the usual features. Uh, we've got some news. We'll be joined by uh, Nick Damon to look at some Formula One, I was going to say lunches, but uh, launches uh, with some cars that look very similar to how they did previously. Uh, we have uh, two interviews, uh, one of which... Uh, is about a piece of news and one of which is about a piece of other news. So uh, well, I'm not going to preempt, reasonable. preempt those. Um, uh, we're going to uh, preview this weekend's uh, Repco Bathurst 12 hours as well. That's uh, uh, an important part of this week's show. All a part of our early week nedwhiskey.com.au coverage. Uh, we're off to... We're taking the race cars downtown mm. later on. Mm-hmm. You ready for that? No, not even slightly, but uh, looking forward to it. The Track to Town, which is an annual 
um, an annual event here in Bathurst Town, and it's quite the spectacle where all 30 of the cars and 96 of the 98 drivers, two have sent in, uh, I'm sorry, I can't be there today, I have other commitments. Really? But it's not bad. Well, one of them runs a fairly large business empire, so I... Right, I understand that. That's fine. Okay. We're not naming and shaming them. No, right? I wouldn't do that to them. Uh, Is it my task to work out which two are missing when I go down there later? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a bingo card. Excellent. You tick them off. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, somewhere in excess of 5,000 people will probably be there. Um, the crowds have been outstanding. The fact the weather's so good at the moment here as well will help the cause. So really looking forward to that. It's a massive highlight of uh, the race week build-up here in Bathurst. Yeah. And it just proves does it not the uh the way that the town embraces uh the um the race here uh, uh let's head to back up to london and to tim gray who has the top story oh we're not doing any uh tweets oh, this yeah, week. no sorry see i'm i'm completely thrown out yes let's uh you're four and a half minutes uh, right, okay. Uh, hello to Jesse Young and all those who are saving the podcast for the trip up to Bathurst uh, tomorrow morning uh, here. Uh, hello to Kevin Payne uh, and says, very uh, envious as I'm in now in the UK, only because it was in 1992 when Denny the Bear Home, home had his uh, heart attack. Mm. Uh, hello to Matt Heineman uh, and he's tuned in tonight. Uh, breakfast martini in order, says Ed Moses, looking at the timing. Well, Crossy's bought me a coffee, which, you know, was good enough. And as I say, I've had my veggie mite and toast. Good enough. Yeah, that's good <laughs> enough. Uh, Jerry Z, settling for the archive in Florida. Um, oh, going to see the New York Knicks versus Orlando Magic. Now, uh, Jerry lives in Florida, but he's a New York Knicks fan, so that he'll be enjoying that. Good day to uh, NG, that's Neil Gardner. Uh, catching up on the archive, uh, giving his far better half, half Kerry, some time this evening. Uh, hello to Right Turn Lover, to Professor Hobbs, whose EFAs uh, this evening. Brody has been servicing Spitfires. What's that? T- How is that even a thing? Well, what he, a cool he, job that is. Well, he looks after cars and planes. Well, that's remarkable. And he posted a video of him firing up a Supermarine Spitfire. Looks what, Mark? I reckon that's Mark 8, Mark 9, Spitfire. It's got it the bubble canopy, so... Ground any, run. Either yeah. way, Rolls-Royce Merlin, one of the finest engines made in the history of the universe. Yeah, yes. good. Yeah, and um, Brody, we're envious of you as well. Hello, uh, Dave Olcock, who's joining us. Uh, yes, Porsche Australia, uh, thanks to Creelsey uh, as well, for the V8 uh, Cayenne S, which is a perfect thing. My goodness me, the addition of a sport exhaust, which we've not had on that car before. Grillsy heard me two streets. It's moderately away. antisocial, actually. Uh, it's yeah. quite good. <laughs> well, but you know what? It's helped me getting in and out because all the guys on the gates know, oh, it's that yes, British exactly. <laughs> it's that POM yeah. with the burbly car. It's it louder than an AMG GT3. <laughs> <laughs> Hello to Jet, uh, who is EFAs tonight, uh, doing the netball and a Zoom call about the county hockey finals for the for the kids. Uh, hello to James O'Donnell. Looking forward to an upside down show. Uh, and to say, Phil, uh, very good to know that you're tuned in. Alex Orton, uh, Dave Monks, listening from under the car, BMW 2002, needing an oil service before track day at Bedford Autodrome. Ooh, that's my normal bailiwick. Uh, enjoy that. That's silly. You will enjoy it. No airfares from Chris Suku tonight. 
Blurfing tuned in from the workshop. As always, uh, a, a rear brake replacement on a 911 991 Targa in what looks to be Creon, actually. So that's a matching colour for our uh, Carrera S. Sean Crockett, looking forward to listening to the latest news, hearing the latest news. Uh, and uh, hello to Mickey Heth. Um, would you, are you going to introduce Crazy with a rendition of Down Under by Men at Work? No, we just say hello to because <laughs> we're not that we're cheesy, but not that cheesy. Clayton Hoffman says Ned whiskey for MWM this morning. Uh, looking forward to the Bathurst Twelve Hours news. We've got some great news for you as well. If you haven't picked it up on to, in terms of coverage, and Kevin's pain, nice early start for the team. Lucky son Steve Price, uh, Steve Price tuned in. Hello, Steve. Uh, and let me have a look. And I think that's it. I'm up to date. At Spectatainment on X, Twitter, call it what you will, but you know how to get in touch with us. Now, Tim has had a chance to doubly shuffle, shuffle his papers as if he had uh, two packs of cards and we're about to play Canasta. What's the top story, Tim? Play that jingle. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. Just before Tim puts us out of our misery, I want to say a big hello to Colin, Colin Sanders, who lost his dad uh, last week and it put him in a bit of a spin, as you can imagine. So we've all been sending him our best and he's tuned in. Uh, he says, my dad loved the crazy Bathurst 12 hours. And well, he was a man of taste, Colin, and naming you Colin after Colin Chapman was only a part, I know, of the great... Uh, the great influence that his love for cars and motorsport had on you. We're still thinking of you, fella, and uh, hopefully uh, you'll enjoy the show tonight and the a little bit of normality with our coverage over the weekend. What's the top story, Tim? Uh, we're going to start with some Formula One news. Uh, so let's bring in our Formula One correspondent, Nick Damon. Good evening, Nick. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, John, in tomorrow, and good evening, who else is still listening in today. And anyone who's listening the day after tomorrow on the podcast. Ooh. Uh, more cars have uh, been unveiled this week, Nick. Yes. Uh, should we start with the McLaren? It's very orange. It is. Uh, were you expecting it not to be orange? No. Were it has, you expecting it, has, it, it, it to look anything other than how it looks? No. No. It's, it's kind of like the only thing is with some of these teams is how much carbon fiber and how much color, and they've they've gone towards the more color than carbon fiber, but not massively. It is the MCL thirty eight, right? And what is that in, in other things? <laughs> uh, oh, we need to do that. We'll do that for the Formula One preview show. Uh, it's uh, it was unveiled yesterday, and uh, today has had. Uh, some track time already with uh, Lando and Oscar uh, behind the wheel at Silverstone. Silverstone were making some big coin today, weren't they? Mm. Now, half the track being used by McLaren and the other half the track, with Vance having two pits, of course, uh, being used by another F1 team I'm sure will come on to it. Not wishing to preempt here, of course. <laughs> well, we've also had the launch of Aston Martin. Yes! And where we found out that um, Fernando Alonso can go on to least 50. Yes. He had a fantastic medical response, and he also decided to have a bit of a bitch by saying that Lewis Hamilton's childhood dream to join Ferrari wasn't his childhood dream 12 months ago. Uh, eight more years of Fernando Alonso in Formula One. Well, he's, I think he's just trying to point out to Toto that he's not, uh, you know, he is available for, um, for Mercedes duties, and he wouldn't just be for a few weeks. And he's really fit, and everything about him is amazing. And it's, he, he, it's the best he's ever been TM. Uh, 
How, what does he credit with uh, his amazing uh, fitness and medical results? Uh, is it either a collection of organic uh, f- fungi or is it just because he's got fabulous genes? Uh, he was wearing a race suit today, so I don't know what uh, jeans he wears. Oh, fair enough. Beat me to it. <laughs> uh, we have historical data of my body's cardio performance in one, two and five kilometre uh, sprints and in a resting state in a thousand and one tests of fat or muscle of reaction with lights as well as maximums from the gym and weights. While in some tests over the last five or six years there was a minimal drop in performance, especially in terms of muscle, uh, this year we've been able to recover it to maximum levels, he said. And this has been partly due to nutrition, which has changed. Oh, it sounds like one of those really awful earnest podcasts, isn't he? Oh. We tried to gain a bit of muscle to compensate for the age factor without losing reactivity or endurance in cardio. These were surprising results, and I think it's very positive. He's backed it up by taking lots of amphetamines to re him going. Obviously he hasn't. Really, that's a joke. Uh, apparently his um, diet is... Heading towards vegetarian, but not completely. So it's not vegetarian then? No. No, it's just, it's just having a bit less. Unlike, of course, uh, Lewis, who's completely vegan, you see. That's, he, doesn't, he can't go vegan because that would be just copying, wouldn't it? Yes. Wouldn't want to do that. No. Uh, we've also had the Ferrari launch. Uh, yes. And it's red. And, and almost entirely red as well, so well done then. There's a bit of black, but it does look red. And uh, it looks more like last year's car than a lot of the cars. They've stuck a little bit with their not very successful concept. It appears visually, but you know you can't tell with these launched cars. To be honest, it's completely impossible um, to work anything out until they actually, well, apart from that, they're probably fastest uh, until they get down to uh, to Bahrain in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda thinks he could challenge for the championship title in the Cash Cow. Really? Yes. That's very brave then. <laughs> the cash cow. Is that what we're calling it this week? Might as well. Mm. I love it. Uh, last year, they described the car as underwhelming and managed only three points in the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Is it now overwhelming? But Well, once uh, all the rumours about them being sold uh, disappeared, they uh, suddenly started to get into the top ten quite a lot. Yeah, the biggest problem is, though, at the moment, they are the subject of the ire of everyone else, aren't they? All the other teams have decided to focus this year's ire um, on um, the second team. You can't have two teams, and the FIA's got to do something about it. Red Bull have to sell the team. It's not fair. And can't really see that I would disagree with that, to be honest. Uh, as a goal, we don't just want to be in the top ten. We hey, they ten teams. I, I think he's talking about himself as the we oh, rather right. than oh, uh, right. the team. So top ten drivers he said I shouldn't he? He should have done. You know, it's his second language. Um, we hope we'll be able to fight against Red Bull. Well, they wouldn't be allowed to anyway. What, are they having a cage match or something like that? Are they getting in the octagon? Because that's the only way they're going to have a fight with Red Bull unless they have a bit of a scrap out by the bike sheds at the back of the, the pit complex. I think Yuki would be okay at uh, judo or something like that. He's got a very low centre of gravity. He's dangerous. Yes. Yeah, very good point. Not Peter Reid in Yuki, I think. <laughs> <laughs> There's a uh, joke that half the audience won't get. Or I, think more. Two, I think about three quarters, I think, more <laughs> Yes, I, I've seen the uh, the split of uh, nationalities and uh, there's a lot of Americans. Uh, 
The FIA has uh, formally uh, confirmed what Nick told us last week about uh, Jan Monchot. That's nice sorry? they were listening. You swallowed that. Remember about what? what? Jan Monchot. Oh, right, okay, yes. Uh, Nick did, you send them a, did you send them a fax, Nick, to let them know? I, oh, you know me, I'm constantly faxing non-stop. <laughs> I've heard that about you. I've got one of those auto-feeders, I'm doing that much faxing. Oh, have you? Yeah. Do you ever get a jam? Yeah, just a fax machine. Yes, of course. Uh, well, I, I only get, not often get too much jam when it is sort of strawberry. Uh, he has uh, been formally uh, confirmed as the replacement of Tim Goss as single-seater technical director of the FIA. And of course, Tim Goss is off to um, Cash Cow Cash App, but not for a bit. I don't think he's had to start till September or something. Let's give nine months. Nick, before. yeah, is he out? Is he off to cash out? <laughs> hey, um, is he getting some cash back? Do you think? As it, as it happens yes very good very good he's 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 trading in his fia card and he's getting some cash back apparently mm. well the good news is of course mm. he can go anywhere he likes he's got a he's got a very very good visa oh <laughs> very good i thought he'd be going to the states very quickly uh, on an american express but unfortunately that hasn't worked out for him has not oh, accepted okay. anywhere <laughs> Tim Mallion, uh, the FIA safety director, has been promoted to FIA sporting director. Right. So who's going to be safety director? Uh, He'll still be in charge of safety. And Neil Zvitik remains as F1 race director. It's poison chalice. Uh, So that's that. Uh, The Red Bull has been testing at Silverstone as well. Yeah, I think it launches tomorrow, doesn't it? Yes, but it was on track yesterday. Yeah, they still was not doing it, really are cashing in. It's, yeah, when it went, went round, it looked like a relatively basic version because it seemed very similar from spy pictures to last year's car, which obviously it won't be. It'll have um, a number of improvements. Um, yeah, obviously the question is going to be if um, if Christian turns up to launch tomorrow, because it's going to be very hard to steer the questions away from questions he's not going to want to answer. It was great, though, wasn't it? Because Surely if he doesn't um, turn up, then whoever's there in his place will just yeah. be bombarded with questions about why he's not there. Well, yeah. John? I, I did think it was, uh, it was really useful that uh, God decided to, or whatever entity, um, supreme entity you believe in, uh, decided to let us see the difference in the arrow by making it, pour down of rain just before they went out and you could really see how the arrow was working on the car which was mega it's good for the garden though exactly you know actually it's not because the gardens are all waterlogged over here and I'm only 15 miles from the track so here in London uh, we're uh, surprisingly well drained despite the uh, very clay heavy soil they're in London you've got a hose pipe bad haven't you (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) it will have in a couple of weeks very very British joke, that. Moving on. Uh, well, we're not moving on, really, because we're going to continue to talk about Christian Horner. Hooray. Oh, yeah. No, boo. Hurrah. No. Do we have to? Um, so we know he's was, in trouble this week, There was a we? meeting but on Friday, which mm-hmm. went on for ten hours. Yes. And at the end of the meeting, uh, just like a day of test cricket, uh, there was no decision... <laughs> Well, no. This is this is the point about this. this is this is a very very 
proper investigation being done by an independent yeah. barrister who, let's be honest, he's on about a thousand pounds an hour, so I'd have, I'd have spread it right out as well. Um, How much an hour? I think that's think probably, you, yeah, I've... 5,000 an hour. Probably right, John. Yeah. I'm underestimating <laughs> massively. Um, what about the They're cost? Charging cap? 15 you know, the chunks. That won't be the cost cap because that's obviously it's Red Bull, the drinks manufacturer doing it, not Red Bull, the racing team. Um, I wouldn't expect anything else. I mean, it's, it is unfortunate. Um, well, I don't know if the, is, I don't know if the correct word is unfortunate. It is going to be an issue that's hanging over the launches and everything else. Mm. Um, but they're not going to hurry it up. They're going to take the time and take to produce a proper um, decision on whether Christian's done anything wrong or not, which none of us know. Uh, and could take several weeks, according to uh, a Red Bull spokesperson. Yeah, I think that, that, that is bad news for the team, because the one thing you don't want is uncertainty. Yes. Uh, who's particularly concerned about uncertainty? The certainty of uncertainty? Yes. Um, well, I don't know, Max or Stephen, he doesn't seem concerned about much, but I guess him, because he's obviously the first name that comes up. Uh, Stefano Domenicali. Oh, is he concerned mm. about Red Bull, is he? He's uh, concerned about the impact that the allegations could have on the sport as a whole. Oh, that's a really... Well, fine. Right, OK, that's what? the impact you are bothered on. You're not, you're not bothered about rejecting the a uh, completely legitimate um, entry from don't. a very... No. Don't just don't even that that is that is just another bit of nonsense coming out of F. They are they are giving it both barrels in each foot consistently. Well, no, that's liberty. It. Remember that's that's liberty, not F one. That's that's not FIA. Yeah. That's liberty. But Stefan, I, I, it's not, I wouldn't have commented on that in that way. No, I don't think that's that's. No. A, uh, he hasn't commented publicly. This is a report in German media. What else has German media been talking about? Uh, Mick Schumacher needing new socks. Uh, no, still specifically talking about Christian Horner. Uh, uh, he's in real trouble because Bernie Eccleston's been advising him. Yes, and what does Bernie have to say about this? Yeah, resign. No, Bernie said, to clarify reports by German newspapers, I urged or suggested Christian Horner to step down from his position is entirely untrue. Hmm. Okay. Unless proven otherwise, he's innocent. Well, that is true. My I mean, that is Christian true, but nobody knows. It's to keep his head down, do nothing, and wait. Sort of much like he has been doing for his whole career, then. Well, yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's true. He is, as we should all realise, at the moment, he is an innocent man. So we can have our own opinions, and we can wonder how it got that far, and... Let's find out. It's it's it is, at the moment. It is a pointless story, and I I understand. Mm, I don't agree that. But I don't agree. No, uh, the no, story the is moment. pointless, but the app. Uh, but the but the thing is that despite this, the fact is, it will have an effect on the team going forward, even whilst it's, it's it's undecided over the next three or four weeks. Because you know that that is hanging over. You know, some people, are, I'm sure, most people would would be on his side, but they don't know, do they? And they could be wrong. Well. I, I just, what I don't like is, oh, it's this, oh, it's that. Oh, no, there's proof of the other, oh, and possibly even something else. And all of that, there's, there are some journalists, including some in the F1 bubble, who have not covered themselves in any kind of credit uh, 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 over this. And it, it needs to be sorted. If, if, if as have we been, it's been reported, and it's come from the team as well, that these are serious allegations, in which case you have to let due process play out. And anything else is meddling with that, and anything else is being mischievous. 
And I think you said last week, Nick, I think it's worth saying again that Christian is not one of the better liked people in the paddock, but you, that doesn't matter. This is not the time for you to, for, for anyone who has a beef with Christian to be using this and jumping on any kind of bandwagon or pylon uh, until the results of the investigation, as you said again, Nick, the right and proper, uh, uh, right and proper, uh, seriously taken investigation until until those are known. And yep. I, I just think, what else can you say until that comes through? You, you're right, it's causing some issues, or we presume it's causing some issues. We don't know. Is he suspended? Is he still going to work? Is he, still he was at Silverstone for the test yesterday, and well. the... Uh, I can't say too much because it's embargoed, but I think he will be at the launch tomorrow. Right. Well, he's embargoed. Him being there is embargoed. The information about uh, what will happen tomorrow at the launch... Right. Uh, is covered by an embargo, but I think it's safe to say that... Are they going to uh, launch the RB20? The RB20 will be launched <laughs> okay. at the Red Bull Technology Centre at Milton Keynes in the evening. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what time. Uh, Max Verstappen's going to be there. Sergio Perez is going to be there. Hamda mm-hmm. Al-Kabaisi is going to be there. And Emily de Hoos is going to be there. Uh, and Christian Horner will be there. Super. And you'll be able to watch it uh, on a live stream on their website so given sorry just out of interest given that so the only thing embargoed is the time no there's some other information that's been uh, put on this uh, invitation uh, okay let's what, move on canapes or uh, hot, what, what heavy hors d'oeuvres <laughs> let's move on it's it's evening so hors d'oeuvres sound appropriate uh I only just found out that Christian Horner was uh, Bernie Eccleston's best man at his third wedding. Blimey. To his Brazilian wife. Yes, Fabiana, who is now uh, the vice president for sport at the uh, Federation Internationale de l'Automobile. What I am very pleased to report is that there's absolutely no nepotism around in uh, in motorsport, so that's good to know. Uh, let's move on to Formula 2 because they've uh, already started their pre-season testing yes uh, new car uh, Sunday was uh, very very wet right uh, Tuesday was less wet what, wet in Sakia yeah they had, they had a lot of rain in the Middle East didn't they, they had a hailstorm yes. in the yeah, UAE but, um, Phil Anson's car has been uh, buried underwater for most twice. of this week <laughs> That's the second time. It's really happened. not what you sign on for, is it, where you live over there? Really not, no. When we landed in Qatar uh, for the, uh, for, at the end of the first part of the flight, it was absolutely teeming down. Absolutely teeming down. I'm told that uh, there's been uh, cloud seeding in uh, the Emirates. They do tend to overdo it, in fairness. Mm. <laughs> We had a bit of rain here uh, for my arrival. Creelsey uh, organised that rather well. I thought Creelsey had just a bit of a drop. Well, in. we wanted you to feel at home, but we got that wrong because it was still thirty degrees when it happened. <laughs> See, <laughs> so we missed we missed the window there. But yeah, there was some precipitation. It's been quite unsettled here lately. What's the forecast for the weekend? Uh, unsettled. Mm. Mm. Well, that's yeah. unsettling, isn't it? Quite quite <laughs> warm, uh, quite humid at this at this point in time, which is strange because it's normally quite dry, mm. a dry heat. The place is very, very green as well. We've had a lot of rain here over what's been quite a moist summer to this point. So, um, 
Yeah, it could be interesting. Could go either way. At the moment, they're, they're forecasting a, a thunderstorm to roll in about exactly the same time we roll out for practice three on Friday afternoon, local time. Um, the weekend is supposedly going to be okay, but very little faith in weather forecasting um, based on the summer that we've had here that hasn't actually been a summer until the last two weeks. If... Uh if we were wrong 50% of the time uh, in our jobs, we probably wouldn't have our jobs. I don't think we'd be continually employed, no. 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 Mm. But anyway. But then again, we don't have to forecast what's going to happen in a race. We're not being asked to call the race now for bump, Sunday. I don't want to pump our own tyres up, but sometimes I feel like we're better at forecasting what's coming up in the race than the weather is it. Coming up to the weather, I don't know. Uh, I think we're not giving ourselves enough credit here. Let's go back to some F2 news before we move on I to some sports cars. I point out that uh, Sydney gets more annual rainfall than Salford. Does it really? Mm-hmm. Is that great, actually that is, a stat? That, is, that actually is a great stat. And Melbourne that is gets the best even more fun. Sydney. I thought really? whole Australia was in a terrible drought at the moment. Yeah, that's why uh, some of it Queensland is. Where, where there's, there's bits of it in drought. It's a very mm. big place, Nick. That is true. I, 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 I am aware of how Nick's massive it is. With, Nick's not good with distances. Oh, uh, one time. <laughs> oh, no, hang on. The, there's the famous Austrian trip from me in, in your, oh, um, dear, with all your gear. And then there's, welcome to Warden Law, just north of Hull. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it is north of Hull. It is, yeah, but it's not just much. north of Hull. It's, you know, four hours, three hours, two hours, whatever it is. Anyway, F2. Tell me about F2. I'm, I'm, I, our listener is champing at the bit to hear I about F2. I just want to say, uh, <laughs> not last time I was in Australia, but the previous time, uh, visiting Sydney and Melbourne, um, a distant relative of mine um, said, while you were in the area, uh, why didn't you pop in and see me? Where do they live? Uh, Stamford, Queensland. It's not round the corner. Even not with round my the basic corner. No geographic knowledge of quite, Australia. Quite a long way inland. Uh, and places and outside of New South Wales. Pretty much parallel with Townsville. Yeah. Mm. Okay, moving on. F two. Uh, so it was uh, the twenty-year-old Barbadian uh, Zane Maloney who was fastest uh, over the three days. How was Wonderkind Kimi Antonelli then? Uh, not in the top well, three. Well, and apparently, because of that, uh, he's he's now that's it. His career is finished. Yeah, it I've is such that. a fickle. It is such a fickle press corps. This is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Kimi Antonelli, watch out for him. This is the name to be. Oh, he's been pants in testing. Rubbish. Bubbles burst. Don't know why we bother talking about him in the first place. It's just nonsense. It really is. Uh, Let's do some sports car news, shall we? Uh, Because uh, Julian Andlauer is uh, moving to Ipecar. Ipecar! He'll be the third driver in the Proton Competition entry, alongside Neil Jarney and Harry Tinknell. Yeah, deserved, I think. He's, He's... He's earned it. He's uh, he's done his apprenticeship, I suppose, coming up through the the other classes. And it does seem the more people I talk to, the more I get the same reply is that the LMDH cars in particular, GTP LMDH cars, 
are rather like big GT, EEC, GT, uh, LM cars. And those drivers are getting their heads around them very quickly. We do now have a full entry list. So every car has all of its named drivers for uh, the 1812 of Qatar uh, at the end of this month or start of next month. And I, can I just say, that I'm sure this has been discussed before I've missed it. Why is it called the 1812? Uh, because something happened in Qatar in 1812. Right. Uh. <laughs> and so how long is it going to last? Or is it 18, what is it? Is it 1,812 kilometres or what? Yes, it yes, is. Yes, it is. 1,812 kilometres. Right. It, okay. uh, it won't run to that. I think it's got a... Is, is or it a 10, ten hour? Yeah, it's 10 hours. Um, so it, it's derived from the date of the Qatar National Day, actually. So it's okay. the 18th of December is, is why it's 1812. Okay. Nothing to do. Uh, we could say, of course, they sh- they've missed a really good opportunity here. And we'll have some special programming from the prologue. But surely, mm. given it's the 1812, that should have been the overture to the season. Ah, bumtish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people say I have, I have no classical knowledge. The, the 36 other cars on the entry list, which, uh, as I say, is now uh, finalised. Uh, and none of them have uh, any surprises it's pretty much uh, exactly what had previously been announced um in various announcements uh only <laughs> one of which has happened since our last show and that mm-hmm. was uh, josh cagill yes uh, taking the final uh, united autosport mclaren uh, seat so we now know everyone who's going to be in Qatar, and don't forget you can hear live coverage of that uh, from Practice 3 qualifying uh, and the race uh, here on RS1 on the weekend of, well, Friday and Saturday at least, uh, the 1st and 2nd of March. Very early start on the 1st of March, well it is for me, but uh, slightly uh, later for those of you who are going to be out in Qatar. And don't forget we'll be at the prologue actually as well. Yes, prologue as well. Yeah, so there's a, there'll be a couple of programmes at least. The good news is that there's quite a lot of people here who we're already setting up interviews with, so that's pretty good. Where would you like to go next? Uh, Shall we stay with sports cars? OK. Um, because we have, uh, we have a sports car... Well, both of our guests really are sports car related, aren't they? They are indeed. Uh, and uh, later on in the show, uh, we're going to be speaking to Alex Gibo of uh, Porsche Motorsport uh, Asia. Uh, Alex is uh, very excited, as you might imagine. Uh, he is here, but he's not here, but he is in... Uh, he is in Australia. He's in Australia, he's actually in Bathurst, and we'll probably get him up in the booth at some stage over the, the weekend. And we'll be speaking uh, to him in the second hour of the show when it's uh, not ridiculously early like it is now. How early is it, by the way? Did you say um, at the time of the show what the 20... local time is? Yes, I did. It was 7 o'clock when we started. OK, so it's now 7.36. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, exact, exactly so. And we'll have some details in the second half of the programme as well before Krillzy has to disappear and do his very Krillzy stuff on local radio and national radio. Of course he um, does. Which is a, about just under an hour's time. We, we must talk about the extended uh, video that we've got as well. We had some bonus sessions last year, but it's a bit more, it's a lot more organised this year. Uh, what's on tomorrow, Tim? Uh, tomorrow at 8, it's the SimCast. And uh, later in the show, we'll be telling you uh, the details of what to expect when you listen to <laughs> that. We always love it when there's a new car or revisions to a car in the endurance world. And that's what we've had extremely recently with Aston Martin. And, well, I'm not going to talk about it. We've got the head of endurance motorsport from Aston Martin to talk to us now. Hello to Adam Carter. Hello, Adam. Hi there, John. How are you? Really good, thank you. Good to have your company here. Um, tell us about this new car, or cars, actually, because you've been quite clever here. And I noticed one or two of the automotive sites have been looking very carefully at motor racing for a change. Because, actually, the uh, the car debuted up at Daytona just with a, a few little stealthy items on it. That's right, John. The um, Aston Martin Vantage road car is to be launched to market imminently, though motorsport being a really important part of Aston Martin's brand um, from both a marketing strategy but also a car development strategy, we really do um, develop the car on the track and make sure that feedback goes back into the road car product. So whilst it's a little bit unorthodox, the decision was taken to get the new Vantage um, race car out onto the track in Daytona and keep adding to that sort of learning and feedback experience into the road car program. So is this an evolution of the the road stroke race car? Is it something completely different? Because I, I noticed, of course, that um, Rebel Rock had a, a sort of camo livery on it. You had decals over the headlights of the GT3 cars, the GT Daytona. Daytona cars to hide some of the design elements. How much? How much has changed on the on the new Vantage? On the new Vantage, there's some underlying um, parts of the chassis which are carried over between or carried over with minimal modification between the two platforms. But the whole um, road car product is um, touched in every area: powertrain, um, suspension, etc. The styling, the aerodynamics have all changed. And as you picked up on there as well, the lighting has changed. So the cars, whilst have that um, connection to the previous Vantage, they are completely new as a product. Um, Fantastic product being brought forward by Aston Martin. And as you picked up there, Rebel Rock, they ran with a GT4 car. And as we know, the regulations of the GT4 car are less um, deviation from the road car spec. And have to thank Rebel Rock for running in that camouflage and supporting us with our road car race car development program in parallel so that was great um, from them to support that and you could see the undertones of the new car in the gt4 there the gt3 car is um an evo it's homologated as an evo but in saying that there's a large amount that's changed the obvious striking changes are in the bodywork um, very kind of prominent features on the car the 
aerodynamics, you can see we've had to develop a car to meet the performance window for both um, GT3 LM and GT3. The chassis structure is largely the same. Suspension has been evolved. Some of the um, gearbox settings have been evolved. Some of the control system inputs, things like throttle pedal, etc., have been um, evolved. We've got a new damper package on the car. It's around 85 um, sort of component stroke assemblies which have been changed from the previous GT3 car to this um, version. Does it mean that the GT3 and the GT4 cars, given that the GT4 is more closely aligned with the road cars, does it mean that they have diverged slightly, Adam? I would say diverge is probably not the right description um, <laughs> because we they are different. They're different cars. They're different beasts um, in terms of the development paths they take. But the underlying part of the car is still linked very much back to the Vantage road car and what's evolved within them. So it's important that our race programs and our road car products uh, have synergies. So they're within, they're within, let's say, development scope of um, normal GT3, GT4 relative to mm. the road platform. And given that you're in the enviable position of launching a new car, having raced it already, what's the feedback been from particularly the GT3 version with Heart Racing and and with Magnus? Yeah, I think it's a great place to start is with the GT3 car. It's something we acknowledged internally was of the previous stable of GT um, race cars from Aston Martin. The GT4 car was super popular and um, liked by the customer base, very drivable and um, competitive in that AM position. The GTE car, its success in WEC, etc., speaks for itself. And the GT3 car was, let's say, the less favoured of the three and had some characteristics, which whilst it could be competitive at certain times, it had a narrow setup window. It was a little bit peaky sometimes in terms of its behaviour. and whilst the pro drivers could manage that and handle that a lot of the time in a sort of am driver's um, hands, sometimes it was not particularly friendly car to drive. And I think it's reasonably well documented that with that characteristic, it could be a little bit nervous on the kind of break in turn in phase. And that was one of the main areas we needed to address because the car would be spook the driver, they would effectively underdrive the car and getting the lap time consistency um, yeah. which you need wasn't there. So we found ourselves also that that entry condition to try and control that, we would lose performance in the um, exit phase as well. So the target with the um, new Vantage GT3 was to make a more benign platform and make the balance of the car more connected from entry through to exit. So we've done a lot of work on um, on that and that's where the specification was really driven. And I'm pleased to say that Whilst that was set out as a target, we took the car um, testing. We've done 12,500 K of testing with the car. That's had some pro drivers. That's had some end drivers. The instant feedback from the pros was this is a good step forward. The drivability's there across the three different tyre um, kind of platforms. It oh, was good, good as well that we tested. And then we put some AMs in the car. And the AMs, um, we were very fortunate. Some of the AMs were actually testing different cars on the same day. <laughs> and you know, we would, we ticked the box of that drivability. So where there was the kind of previous um, caution around the car, everybody got out of the car 
big thumbs up. Yeah, this is, you know, this is a great car. This is a great car for me as an am. I feel confident in the car straight away. Um, it's predictable, et cetera. So great, great job done by everybody. Um, AMPT have helped sort of steer part of that, the organization that I run for Aston Martin, and then the um, partner AMR, um, which is delivered via ProDrive. They've done a great job mm. in taking that customer feedback from previous car we've worked together and we've delivered on a we've delivered on a product um which has so far been really well received into the marketplace i'm, I'm impressed with what you said i i had a very short run at monte blanc or oh, a few years ago in the previous iteration of the gt3 and that was the first time i'd driven the gt3 i, I raced the old gt4 of course in a 24-hour race for aston at kota um, well, that was back in 17 uh, as well. Um, I I thought it was um, quite a pleasant, the GT3 was quite a pleasant car to drive and I got on with it really well. So for, for you guys to have improved that even even more is it, impressive. How, how much did the fact that these GT3 cars have got to go to Le Mans now influence some of the changes for the GT3? I noticed in particular, for example, the louvres over the top of the uh, the front wheels, there seems to be a little bit more aero work on what I would call the bonnet, the engine cover. Although obviously the engine's pushed a long way back when you see where those uh, those air exits are. Is was that driven by, or was some of that driven by Le Mans? Fortunately, not because of we'd already been a development program, and actually, in order for the performance window the aero performance window for GT3 LM to go to Le Mans versus the FIA GT3 performance window have evolved over time. And when we've developed this car, we actually, uh, within both performance windows, with pretty much the same car. Oh, it's, wow. a, it's, it's a couple of straights on the, on, the, um, on the front splitter, which are different, really, between the specifications. Otherwise, wow. the, to swap the car between GT3 LM and GT3 spec aerodynamically is it's a matter of minutes wow well that's worked out very well for you um tell me you mentioned aston martin powertrain ampt what's been the role of ampt up there at silverstone um in the development of the new car and how does that link between the race car and the road car where where do those of us fortunate enough to buy advantage what are we getting back from this so um, it's actually Aston Martin Performance Technologies, so uh, we sorry, bridge across um, all all chassis and um, powertrain work. And so AMPT is a sister company to Aston Martin Formula One. Um, we're co-located in the um, AMR Tech Campus at Silverstone, and we are an organisation which it takes forward the F1 engineering skill sets, the um, agility, the toolkit available in order to develop advanced programs and we look to be the link between amr programs so f1 lmh gt and get that knowledge transfer back into the road car product it's um just outside my office here we've got some guys working on the valhalla from aston martin which has um, been well publicized yeah that new mid-engine they, car, yeah. that's correct and the composite chassis the bodywork, the crashworthiness, et cetera, has all been developed directly here by AMPT 
in order to support ah. AML with that program. So that is a really clear sort of message of how we're using the motorsport programs and the technology and the methodologies in order to transfer into the road cars. And we see that percolate down into the other um, products as well. And we have really active forums between the engineering groups at AML about we're doing this kind of thing, they're doing that kind of thing. And even with the GT racing, we've had a um, sort of workshop where we've had the the um, team who's worked on the Vantage road car mm -hmm. have sat in the same room with the guys who have developed the GT3 and GT4 oh, car wow. for AMR. And we talk about the experiences and what was learned and get that knowledge transfer. So super proactive in making sure there is open communication. And it's really great to see, actually, because mm. of the information goes both ways. Are there many changes or any changes to the, the powertrain on the new race car or indeed the road car? So under the evolution homologation um, regulations, the GT3 engine is transferred from the previous variant. The GT4 car adopts the latest version of the um, V8 engine, which is of the same family. Mm. So very, very minor changes but, um, between them. Uh, how, how, does, how does this car um, in particular... Um, how does it support Aston's position in in what might be called the GT universe, if you will? And and how big a role, in fact, does it play in your endurance program uh, as a whole? Well, endurance motorsport is super important to Aston Martin. Um, it's Aston Martin is a um, ultra luxurious sports car brand so the clues there in sports car <laughs> so it's competing in sports cars is um, part of the dna of the of the business if you go back the what be 111 years now started as a motorsport um, organization with the hill climb at aston hill and then you know, we're reflecting on 1959 with the win outright win at le mans also the first year aston martin competed in f1 and there's all these great sort of motorsport um, milestones through Aston Martin's history. And endurance motorsport has, you know, AMR um, with ProDrive just entering the 20th year of that partnership. It shows actually how important GT racing endurance motorsport is to um, Aston Martin. And this is just the next step in there. We've had great success with the previous GT car, phenomenal success with the GT4 car. And we're looking to build on that as the company is building its presence and selling um, into market. Endurance Motorsport is a real key part of developing um, the brand and developing the business as it goes forward. You you did mention there 1959. That was an overall victory for the TPR1. Um, nice little cameo in, uh, in Maverick in the new Top Gun movie. I noticed at the beginning of that there was one sticking out, just a nose yeah. sticking out when he was working on his Mustang aeroplane. Um, not sure how that slid in there, but nicely done, whoever it was. Um, which means, and my listeners would absolutely string me up, Adam, if I don't uh, ask you about this. What can you tell us about the first steps with Valkyrie? So Valkyrie LMH programme, um, what a great programme that is. And We're all excited, Adam. Martin. We're all excited. I'm telling you that now. We can't wait to see it. And more importantly, having heard the road car, we can't, we can't uh, wait to hear it either. That is something everybody's saying. It, it does sing a tune. <laughs> so 
it's I was I was very fortunate to hear one again um, with my own ears over at Stowe um, across the road from here at MRTC um, early in January. So we have started doing some systems testing. So we have been able to use an AMR Pro to start some systems testing. Mm. So we've started the sort of very front end of track test program and getting some key data to help into the development streams. The program is going along to target. We're looking to start um, full-blown track testing in the latter part of Q2 this year. And oh, then wow. obviously we've got the homologation progress program to go through. And um, then it'll be as much track testing as we can do um, between now and effectively debut in the car next year. The, uh, the AMR Pro version of the Valkyrie is the most extreme version and somewhat unusually, I would have thought, for developing a racing car, you've actually got to tone some of that down, including the engine output. You've got to lose power, not gain power here, Adam. Is, yep. is that uh, as much of a challenge as trying to find find power, more of a challenge and... and, and have how have you had to go about that without giving away any trade secrets it's it is a challenge um it is a challenge because of we're looking you know looking for the drivability of the engine so we can um operate within that drive shaft torque control system um oh. as optimal as possible and we're looking to um get the fuel efficiency out of the engine as well so um whilst the regulations are now on the virtual fuel tank with the energy obviously you're carrying that mass of fuel in order to deliver that energy so that's still an important factor so there's still plenty of work to be done it's it's no mean feat to um, convert it into a competitive lmh um, power unit uh, but you're starting off with a <laughs> very good baseline with the oh it's the an chassis. exceptional baseline yeah 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 it's an exceptional baseline uh, unusually, I would have thought to have to have had that already there, and um, uh, as to be able to just drop into all the work that's gone on with that car already. Exactly, it's it's a let's say it's a privileged position um, <laughs> to already have a car to baseline and consider and think about um, how we want to evolve it. So it's whilst it's not an LMH car, and there's differences um, that will be taken on board. It does give us um, an indication of areas that we need to focus on or wish to focus on. And, and is that how you've been able to turn this around in in uh, what in motorsport terms? Actually, what in any terms? It's a ridiculously short amount of time because normally lead times would be double or triple what you guys have set yourself the target of. Yeah, it's like we announced the program in October um, twenty three, <laughs> though aspects of the program so mainly the aerodynamic program and the power unit program had already started ahead of that announcement. So mm. we'd already um, made headway into the program. So let's not call it, let's not call it a head start, but uh, it did take the, took the edge off the timing. Mm. Mm. Exciting times for Aston Martin, Adam Carter, uh, head of endurance racing for Aston Martin. Fantastic to have you uh, talk to us, Adam. Thanks very much for taking time uh, out of what is clearly a busy schedule. And we can't wait for what's to come next. Uh, more excitement with the GT cars and that LMH to come. Thanks for being with us. Best of the team, Adam. Thank you very much, John. Oh, sorry, you... 
Caught me off guard there. <clears throat> it's Midweek Motorsport. And here's what's coming up. Thanks to Adam Carter for uh, that interview. Bringing us up to date with what's going on. And we'll have more sports cars coming up in a little while as we are just about to get Alex Shebo on the line from Porsche Motorsport Asia Pacific. Although it's actually uh, in Bathurst at the moment. More from Crail as We look forward to the Repco Bathurst 12 hours this weekend. And Nick Damon will be back as well. All still to come in hour number two of Midweek Motorsports Series 19, episode number six. It's the Bathurst Breakfast. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. Well, as we are in the Asia-Pacific region, I suppose, it's only reasonable that we should be talking about uh, drivers from this region who will be competing in the Repco Bathurst 12 hours this weekend. And I'm delighted to say that joining us is our friend from Porsche Motorsport Asian Pacific, Alex Gibo, who's been a busy, a very busy man over the last few months. Alex, uh, welcome back to the show and congratulations for everything you've achieved in the last few months in in the region, in fact, last few years. Um, looking at this entry, you must be very proud to see a lot of names that uh, that you've had dealings with through Porsche Motorsport Asia Pacific. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you, John. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be in the show. Uh, and yeah, completely pumped uh, to be to be in Bathurst uh, this week. Um, we have uh, four entries, in, including coming from Asia with uh, Phantom Global Pro. Uh, so it's uh, also some names uh, on the Monte Car, which uh, are very well known from uh, Porsche Motorsport Asia Pacific with Alessio Picarello. He will be a rookie in Bathurst, and uh, um, I'm sure he's gonna. I'm sure he's gonna do well and and learn fast uh, the this. A very specific track, and um, and yeah, of course, we also have the Grelo coming from uh, with uh, with Monte. So for Phantom uh, Phantom uh, Pro Global, um, it's a new team coming uh, from China, and uh, it's the very first race they do with Porsche, and they start with a bang because they start uh, in Bathurst 12 hours in the Pro class. Uh, with uh, with driver coming from the factory, we have uh, we have Bastian Bus, uh, the reigning Super Cup champion, um, uh, was or, also uh, in Asian Le Mans series uh, with um, with Earl Bomber Motorsport and uh, and uh, also Jackson Evans, who is uh, very familiar with uh, with Bathurst, will also be in uh, supercars this year full season, um, and also uh, uh, Joel Erickson uh, coming uh, from. Uh, 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 from DTM in the past, so we have very strong lineup and very much looking forward to the twelve hours. Uh, and Bastian, of course, who uh, was the Porsche Young Driver winner at the end uh, of of last season um, in a in a very tight competition. Um, we we were keeping our eyes and ears on that. Um, you and I often talk. Alex, about how important it is to build the motorsport in the region from the bottom upwards. And you guys at Porsche Motorsport Asia Pacific have have done that uh, down the last few years. Is it, however, just as important to have these big events 
big international events in region that, that you can look at and use almost as, as halo events to bring people in at the bottom end? Absolutely. I think, as you said, uh, we need to have uh, uh, the different um, uh, level in, um, let's say, in, in our motorsport pyramid. We have grassroots racing, uh, you know, with uh, um, with events such as the Sports Cup in China or the Sprint Trophy in Thailand or the Sprint Challenge in Indonesia. But we also need this, this ALO event such as uh, Batters 12 Hours. Uh, Macao uh, GT mm. World Cup at the end of the year because we need to have this also these big events uh, in uh, in the region. Um, the second uh, uh, phenomenon also we see we see is uh, more and more drivers or teams are also racing internationally, you know, mm. and uh, uh, they are coming from this region and they are racing internationally. So I think it's uh, you need a, a mix of of everything. You need uh, you need to have a, a strong uh, grassroots racing foundation here in the region. Uh, you need to have these halo events but you also need to have the possibility to give to your teams and drivers to race uh, in Le Mans to race in Nürburgring to race in Spa uh, this is uh, yeah this is what we need to do and, and to that fact you guys are not standing still uh, you've just had some very successful events uh, in a new territory for you guys and you were at the Mandalika circuit which I know from MotoGP my goodness what a beautiful place it races brilliantly for bikes how did it do for, for your car races it's uh, as you said it's a very unique location um, it's the very I mean I've been to uh, some circuits uh, but uh, this one is pretty unique you are in front of the ocean uh, and you are in an island um, just in front of Bali. So the, the location itself is absolutely sensational. It's like a film uh, set. And the, <laughs> yeah, and, 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 you know, and, and the track itself, the layout and the facilities um, are very on a very good level. Um, so it makes, good, it makes some, some good racing and it's just a, 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 an exotic touch that you, can't, uh, really, uh, that you can't really beat. We also have some... Uh, special events, you know, in a region such as uh, the the, the Bangsen Grand Prix, which is a street circuit in mm. Thailand, just in front of the beach. Uh, but Mandalika is is something also very special. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, great racing and uh, a great series that we have launched there at the end of last year, the Spring Challenge in Indonesia, and uh, can only can only grow. I've commended you and your team in the past for keeping things going uh, a couple of years ago, and that was really important. And it seems now. When you guys decided to to keep racing as much as you could through the big, through the big close down, it seems as though that you are you are reaping the benefit of that now. You must be proud that you could do that, and as I say, reaping the benefits right now. Yeah, I think you're you're right. You know, we we it was. Uh, I mean, you know that it was not easy for for <laughs> us. We we were the only manufacturer to. Uh, to to race, it was the only one make series active in the, in the region for all these uh, uh, COVID years, and uh, I think um, yeah, the, the benefits is I think we have also attracted people who were maybe not um, Porsche racing people, mm-hmm. maybe from from other brand, and uh, and I think they have discovered also the more the spirit um, uh, that we have in the company, which is. You know, never give up and and keep pushing and and I think it, um, we have attracted many new drivers during this this period, and uh, some some of them left, uh, but uh, uh, most of them stay. So we we have attracted yeah, a new basically a new driver basis. Um, if you look into Caracas Asia, 
back in the days, we used to have maybe one or two drivers coming from, from mainland China. And uh, last year, it was uh, 40 to 45 percent of the grid. Mm. Um, and, and I see really uh, a strong, uh, a strong driver basis coming from China. It's the same, you know, when you look at GT World Challenge Asia, um, pretty much uh, half of the grid is uh, is coming from from mainland China. So it's a uh, yeah, uh, we have discovered a lot of new drivers also during this uh, um, uh, this uh, this very last years. Yeah, brilliant work. Very excited by the cars and the drivers that you guys have put together for Porsche this year here at Bathurst. That's going to be a uh, – we know it's going to be a great race. It always is here at the mountain. But I can't let you go without asking about 2024 Porsche Carrera Cup Asia. So how's it going, Alex? Yeah, I mean, calendar is fixed. Uh, so we are happy this year because we are back with uh, – we will open the championship uh, together with Formula One for the return of Formula One in China. Uh, it will be the 20 years of Formula One mm. in China, uh, so it's going to be a big, big event. Uh, we will be back also, uh, of course, in uh, in Singapore Grand Prix uh, together with the Formula One, and uh, and in between we will visit uh, Suzuka in May, uh, Bururam in Thailand in June, early July we will also be in Thailand uh, for the Bongsen Grand Prix. Oh, brilliant um, street circuit! That's that's a bonkers circuit. That's going to be brilliant. Yeah. Street circuit along the beach, and um, and then we'll go uh, to to Sepang at the end of August, and then uh, uh, Singapore and f- and season finale in Shanghai. Um, so uh, we are back to a very regular, very regular calendar. Uh, entries level looks looks really good. Um, I think we should reach the 24 cars um, with uh, um, a lot of new talents uh, coming mm. in, and not not only coming from Asia Pacific, but also you will see. Uh, some some very talented driver coming from uh, from Europe, so it's it's great to see. Um, at the end of last year, we did uh, we did a talent pool assessment for uh, for drivers under 26 years old, together with uh, Sasha Massen. Um, and um, and yeah, we had the uh, 12 drivers in Sepang uh, for for two days for an assessment, and and some of them were really really uh, uh, impressive, and uh, and we are we will be happy to welcome them in the championship. Um, and one last thing also on the Caracop Asia in in terms of uh, organization, I think uh, uh, everybody knows uh, Alex Imperatori as a driver, but mm-hmm. he's also now uh, having a new uh, mission uh, within PMAP is the, the Porsche Caracopasia manager. So we are very happy to uh, to have him leading the leading the race series. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a great challenge for him and uh, and a great input for, for the organization. Yeah, he's got an awful lot of experience and a heck of a driver. I've called his name a few times uh, in excited tones when he's been making audacious overtaking maneuvers. Alex, thanks for joining us uh, early this morning here on Midway week motorsport and we'll see you later on the week here at Mount Panorama. Alex Shapo uh, on the line there for us uh, here on Midweek Motorsport. Thanks very much Alex. Thank you. Thank you John. Thank you very much. Well uh, another part of uh, Alex Gibo's uh, empire is uh, dealing with the Asian Le Mans series and uh, congratulations yes. to Porsche uh, for winning the GT title after uh, the final two races in Abu Dhabi at the weekend at Yas Marina. Uh, they didn't win the race, though. That went uh, in that particular class to the BMW, I think it was. Uh, no, the Mercedes. It was a bit messy uh, because there was some drive time uh, infractions yes, that changed in fact, the results uh, sometime after 
the podium. It was the Mercedes in uh, the uh, fifth GT. round, of course, in GT, mm. uh, with uh, His Highness Prince Ibrahim, Lucas Stoltz and Jordan Love behind the wheel of that one. Uh, LMP3 was won by the Breton Racing Ligier of uh, Julien Gerby, Minier Stefan and Dan Scott Dopole. And well done. I don't think that's correct. I don't think that's <laughs> anywhere near correct. <laughs> and, uh, and the championships went to. So and you mentioned the race Porsche. winner yep. in LMP2. Oh, right, sorry. Was won by Chris McMurray, Freddie Tomlinson, and Toby Sarri. What a combination that is! Uh, yeah. In the uh, Algarve Pro Racing Orica, uh, which means that. None of the winners of the final race uh, were the champions because uh, LMP2 was won by CrowdStrike Racing by APR Orica. Uh, George yes. Kurtz, Colin Brown and Malte Jakobsen. Yep, and LMP3, they get an automatic invitation to Le Mans for that, do. which George is very happy about. LMP3 was won by Cool Racing yep. uh, with Alexander Bukensoff and James Winslow. Yeah, and GT was won by Pure Racing with Alex Malakin, Klaus Backler, and Joel Sturm. Also getting their invitations. So the the final two auto invitations um, have been added, and we, I think we're due the Le Mans entry with the invitation committee having presumably made their decision or about to make their decision. I think it's next week. I think it's the I think it's the twenty sixth. I think I've got on my mind, um, or is it, is it maybe that would the twenty ninth? Week after next, week after next, um, we we've got WEC prologue as we mentioned earlier coming up in Qatar, and I, I'm presuming we're going to hear sometime around then uh, when it happens, either just before the race or maybe just after the race on. Um, that's the weekend of March the second, isn't it? Is the is the race day? Yes. I, I have I have twenty sixth or twenty ninth of Feb in my mind. Add spec entertainment because um, I, I frankly can't be bothered to type it up. And besides, which my computer is doing something else at the moment, letting me talk to London. Um, <laughs> would you? Uh, where would you like to go next? Tim? Well, I'd like to uh, go back to something else that happened last weekend. It should have happened the weekend before, but postponed. Due to bad weather, the third fixture on the Clearwise Trophy uh, welcomed the 16 competitors once again to the world's highest permanent circuit. Oh yes, uh, yes, this is becoming this is becoming a, 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 a one of our features. Yes, uh, the format was unusually the same as the one used in the first two. Uh, so not that unusual the season, uh, mm. to preserve. Uh, the track. The protagonists had seven practice laps to get their bearings on the 578 metre layout. Volkan Izik set the pace in Group 1 before Baptiste Panissier, uh, Chaglayan Celic, and Francois Marie Gaffaioli finished at the head of the other groups, unable to break into the top three of Volkan Izik, Antonio Otero, and Christopher Casanova. Well, Excellent. with. Uh, uh, one round remaining, I believe. There are five drivers still in contention for the title. Excellent. Uh, and that takes place this weekend, once again, at the Padilla Casa circuit in Andorra. Lovely. And next? Uh, and if you're a fan of uh, ice, then uh, the next round of the World Rally Championship is in Sweden. 
Yep, carry on. Uh, but there is uh, no ice at Bathurst unless it's in <laughs> glasses. Well, there is, but it, it's only for the drinks the and particularly for drinks. our Ned whiskey. Yes. Um, nicely done there, Tim. Throw me a uh, throw me a full toss there, just outside the off stump. Put that one away nicely. Uh, that brings us to our. Uh, this is part of our Ned whiskey early week coverage uh, of the. Repco Bathurst 12 hours this weekend. And Krills is alongside me. He's typing furiously because he, he's still doing his, his early uh, week work. He's making sure everything is going out and the world is knowing about it. And we are going to bring a little bit more of the Repco Bathurst 12 hours to people around the world. We've always done the audio, Krilsey, you and I, and Sheer down in the pit lane for the early sessions whilst TV were were getting set up. But at not inconsiderable expense to the event, investment, I would say, to the event, and we, and we talked with the event director yesterday, um, we are going to have more vision to go with the sound that we've already done. Yes, so Friday coverage for the first time in Bathurst 12-hour history, which will be excellent. So broadcast... Um, yeah, around the world, uh, free live streaming globally. So Our pages will be going up later today. Correct. So broadcast um, is always streamed internationally at this event, but due to the TV rights agreement in place in Australia, where people pay cash money to broadcast the the race, which is outstanding. Stuff. Listen to that other series, please, <laughs> yeah. and other broadcasters. This is national television putting aside the better part of 13 hours on Sunday to cover a motor race. Well, and Saturday, 17 hours across the two days on free-to-air and subscription television in Australia and uh, Sky Sports in New Zealand will take it as well. Big, massive um, motorsport market over there in East East Australia. Um, East East Australia. <laughs> hello to all of our New Zealand friends. Hello, the Kiwis. We love you. It's fine. Um, yeah, so streaming on Friday for the four practice sessions. So there's two bronze-only sessions and two all-in sessions on Friday. So they will be streamed. Camera coverage, in-car cameras, uh, as you would normally expect from the production at this place. And then the two 40-minute practice sessions on Saturday morning will also be streamed before the broadcast proper commences on uh, Saturday afternoon at about 12.30 local time. 12.30? 12 o'clock local time. 12 o'clock, isn't it? Um, uh, Around Australia and indeed around the world. So this is the first time that has happened at this event. And that will also, for those of you, and I know there's plenty of people listening to MWM here at the circuit, up in the campgrounds, some people cooking breakfast, which we intend to go and find afterwards. Oh, yeah. Um, that will also include coverage on the big screens around the circuit as well. And we've not had that before. We've called it from CCTV. We've called it from what people, you, our listeners, our eyes, sending us video clips, sending us texts and and uh, and Twitter messages. Um, we've covered it in the past with like like that and on, from the timing screen. So it's going to help our audio coverage, which remains, by the way. Mm. So for those of you who are maybe travelling up uh, on Friday here in Australia, uh, tomorrow here in Australia, because we're already on Thursday, and, uh, you know, when we're absolutely going to tell you now, do not watch the coverage whilst you are driving. We are still on RS1. We will still have exactly the same descriptive audio as you would expect in these uh, early sessions brought to you by Ned Australian Whiskey. So, please, if you are driving up through the Blue Mountains or coming up... Um, 
Bells of Lime Road, uh, uh, whichever way. Quite a lot of roadworks, by the way. If you're coming did you come up, up that Bills? way, I did come up Bills. Yeah, okay, yeah. So we're doing a lot road of gully works. gully work and trimming back of trees, and we had a couple of long contraflows where we got stopped for five or ten minutes. Well, so that's a little bit of traffic news on that road. Say again, Tim. There's always lots of roadworks on that road. Uh, it was it was particularly noticeable because they were doing a lot of pilot vehicle. You know, follow follow the pilot vehicle through where there was multiple junctions well, and things like that. Well, it was only relatively recently, and I can't remember the exact date that most of the Bills line of road fell off the Bills line. Yeah. So <laughs> they've they've done a lot of work uh, recovering that. There was a lot of extreme weather in the road. Um, mm. Had a few little disadvantages. Really, it fell off the mountain. So I would have had to use the full off-road capabilities, would yeah, I? Yeah, I, you, you would have had to go up the Great Western. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was blocked for some time. So uh, it, the fact that you can get up there at all yes. is remarkable. It's lovely. And mm. you still see, what is really interesting is you still see the scars of the big fires from yeah. a, a few years ago. But what you're 20. seeing is how nature is taking that back. Even some of the really scarred tree trunks have got new growth on them. Mm. It's, it's an incredible stuff. So just going back to this extra coverage, yep. that, the, basically the fans wanted it. The fans here at the track, record crowds I'm expecting, by the way, from what I've seen already yep. to be announced on Sunday evening. The fans at the track wanted to see a bit more on the big screens. The TV companies have, have clearly realised that there's something to be had here as well, and their streaming services. Um, Plus the event itself, and yep. we, as I say, we talked to the event director yesterday in the pit lane, and he was saying, it, it does cost money, but it, it's an investment for the future. And for the fans both here in Australia, where it is not blocked, by the way, yes. if you're here in Correct. Australia, so the Friday and the Saturday morning coverage is open to everyone before Correct. the terrestrial, what do we call it now, linear TV, linear TV. Uh, kicks yeah. in. That doesn't affect you if you're in the national. It's a case, once again, of supercar events and the event itself listening to its stakeholders, I guess. Well, there, there are 190 people involved in the broadcast this weekend, put it all together. And so to get a whole lot of those here, so there are somewhere in the vicinity, I think, of 30-odd camera operators around the circuit, obviously, because it's such a long place to cover, vision switches, audio people in the truck that wouldn't normally be here Friday. So if you're going, oh, but aren't, isn't everyone already there? It's like, well, no, they're not, because no. they're... They're normally engaged for Saturday and Sunday and a bit of Friday for setup, but now they've got to come in a day earlier. So that's where the investment's being made. But it's it's a worthwhile investment and the level where the event is at now is that not only do you require that level of um I, I suppose service is probably the right word for the people buying a ticket to come here on a Friday and a Saturday morning. Yep. They deserve that coverage mm-hmm. on the spectator banks and up in the campgrounds and all that. But also it's um, a terrific driver of uh, a way to build an audience to lead them into the weekend. It's all about building and building and building until, you know, shootout on Saturday afternoon, yep. race start Sunday yep. morning, race finish on that. So now whilst we were always able to do that with the coverage on RS1 and also the the public address here at the circuit, um, now it's even more effective to drive people. And the other thing it gives us as well is uh, an avenue to produce coverage for social media, for TV news, for broadcast news, yeah. for the internet. Good point. 
on Friday. How many times have we been here on a Friday where something dramatic has happened? Someone's had a monstrous accident. Someone, 2022, had an Audi R8 take up a one of our own social media cameras at the top of the mountain. Yeah. Um, Keith Kasulki's crash last year. Um, this gives us that opportunity as well to have full broadcast coverage, which is only going to increase the media coverage that the event's going to get as well. So you document the start of the... We often, on a Sunday morning, you know, share or chart or somebody down the pit lane is talking about the overnight dash to bring... Where we can, we can actually lay that out yeah. and document it. And but, also it adds to the greater... And I use this in a bigger sense. Access here has always been great mm. for fans. Fan access. This is not F1 exclusive. This is... Bathurst, the, the Repco Bathurst 12 hours, which is inclusive. And basically, we're just bringing more people. We're putting our arms around more people. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. The Australians, I think, have been quite spoiled with their television because every single supercar round, you can watch every single second of supercars on track live in high definition on your television or on your phone. Without a subscription? No, paid. Right, so through Fox Sports and KO, right. KO right. Sports. So yeah. it's a streaming service, much like Sky F1. Yeah, yeah. Same exactly. deal, right? So I, I think that there's an expectation here, especially now, that every part of the weekend should be covered. Whereas it's, it's, we're probably the exception to the rule in a lot of cases that, that that level of broadcast and that level of demand perhaps isn't there. So you, you're not going to watch... Friday practice for British Touring Car Championship round, for example. Or some people would, if it was there. Well, they would, but they don't do it. So clearly the demand isn't there at the moment. Well, Saturday, then. Don't, right, don't be pedantic. Practice on the Saturday. Right. Yeah, all right. Righto. Well, you know what it says to me, though, Krilzy, mm. is it says, what it says is about the development of this event. Because well, well, now it's the seen point, at a level that's where the point that I was is, getting to. is expected. It's, it's, it's expanded to a point where now it's viable to do that. From a commercial point of view, from an audience point of view, um, all those indicators need to stack up before you mm. can make that commitment and that investment from an event point of view to up the service that you're providing to paying customers who are walking through the gates or the audience that are watching at home that we very much would like to watch on Channel 7 on Free to Air mm. or on Fox Sports or KO on subscription TV in Australia and indeed around the world on the, the live stream. So it's exciting. It's awesome. Um Where's the big stories? Uh, Valentino, what, what Valentino kind of Rossi's back. How many times have you been here? What's yeah, the big that, story? But that's, uh, Here's a gigantic bucket of stories. All right. I'll pour them over here. So Valentino Rossi down at the Oxford, uh, which is where Vincent Voss of yeah. WRT likes to eat. Uh, and we'll be there on Friday, actually. And if, listen, collective members, it is a shakedown. There is a shakedown event there. They've, they've sort of come in over the last few years to, to do their event at the Oxford. But if you mention that you're from the collective, uh, you will be allowed in obviously you won't have the wristband for the food and the drink and everything like that but mm. the guys at Shakedown have said no listen it, absolutely fine we understand what the collective's all about we understand that you guys have always been down there so more details on the socials about start times and such like that uh, at the Oxford at the Oxford not just in the bar but there's a, a, a space beer garden the back, it's a, in the beer garden, beer garden. Mm. yeah mm. Uh, Crailsy and I'll be there we're going to have some guests as well so I think one Jules Gunon will be there as well he's a star isn't, isn't he, he just every time yeah. every time we talk to him um, what, what okay I'll put it another way mm. what requests have you had as part of the event from not necessarily the specialist media but from the broader media we look at it all of us who are listening to this now, whether you're here at the campsite or further afield, we look at it from our point of view about how great our 
our mm. race is because we see this as our race. What have you had from external sources? Where are the questions um, coming oh, from? Well, Valentino Rossi, yeah. um, Grant Denyer, who's a local hero and, and you know, lives Supercar on Supercar a... drivers are go-go here, by the way. Well, and, and, and then the, probably the other biggest storyline has been the fact that this is now part of, of the Bathurst Superfest, which is a 10-day... 10-day festival, which includes next weekend the opening round of the Supercars Championship, um, which has moved from Newcastle, which unfortunately no longer happening. So, um, Don't worry, I'm checking out uh, an alternative venue not too far Excellent. away in the Hunter Valley Excellent. on uh, Monday and Tuesday. I like it. Good, good speculation around that going mm-hmm. on, which is why you're going. Um, <laughs> so uh, New South Wales government, huge investors in Australian motor racing. They are an incredible partner of this event and indeed the sport in general through um, the, the Bathurst 12-hour through the Bathurst 1000 in October. It's one of the largest events in New South Wales. Um, so the opening round of Supercars Championship next week, and um, through that, they've put together basically a 10-day festival here. It's going to be a concert in town in the middle of the week. They're doing Moonlight Cinema and things like that. All sorts of stuff. I don't know why you're not staying, frankly. Because um, I've gone to the Hunter Valley. You've gone to the Hunter Valley. So you're... It was you that told me to go to the Hunter Valley. I'm still in New South Wales. I've just come to South Australia, but I shouldn't well. say that in New South Wales. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it's, um, that's probably been the other big storyline. The, the other element, I think, is the, the depth of the field this year. Yeah. Um, and we've talked quite a lot over the last three years about the journey of this event, which is more affected than any other for the, the issues with the pandemic, um, which we're all completely bored of talking about, and we'll move on with quickly. But the recovery has been a, a challenge, and building the event back to where it yes. was in 2020 when we left on such a high after that phenomenal race. But... The depth of quality of this grid now, I think, is back to where we were in AC nineteen twenty. Yeah. In terms of competitive cars, um, the who's who of international GT and sports car racing. Yeah. So names like Gunon, Engel, Marcello, Rossi, of course, the list goes on. Gunon has been an ambassador for this. Event. To- yeah, absolutely. Without us even having to pay him any money to do it, <laughs> it's even better. Um, but also um, the best of the best from the Supercast Championship. So you need those domestic superstars here as well. So Craig Lance, Jamie Winkup, Chaz Mostert, Cam Waters, Tom Randall, the list goes on. Uh, I had a quick chat with t- Tom Randall yesterday, who is a big fan of what we do he in endurance sport. Mm. He, he said, hello, John, how are you? And I, I was a little taken aback, to be honest. Uh, as you might imagine, he talks very well. Look through the list. Shea mentioned the other day that there's not a car in any of the classes without a superstar name in it. You will, I, I'll guarantee you will know at least one driver in every single car. Aside from the GT3 split into Pro, Pro-Am and Silver, we'll be talking about that, I think, as, as one complete class when we get towards the end of the race on Sunday because all of the gun drivers will be in there. I'm particularly pleased to see, all right, a small GT4 field, but any of the cars in there could literally be on, on the top step of the podium. It only takes two cars to make a race. But the Invitational class this year is mouthwatering. Yeah, it's great. Because we've got this battle between two different ideas of a very similar context uh, con- uh, concept. Space frame, big engines with marked cars and um, the... Uh, effectively, Marcar's been the established yep. figures here. And now they've got some competition from some new kids on the block. The, the IRC GT, yeah. So that's really exciting. And there's some ripping drivers in that field. So Matt Stone Racing, full-time supercar team, have rocked up with both of their full-time supercars drivers. One of them's won the Bathurst 1000 in Nick Perkat. The other one's a Carrera Cup champion who's been through the, the process, runs his own race team as well. Um 
with in the form of Cameron Hill. So that's a that's an awesome lineup. One of the Mark cars, I'm um, sorry, one of the IRC cars has got Paul Tracy in it for crying out loud. So Champ Car Champion of 2003, which is awesome. And they are big, normally aspirated mm. V8s that look fantastic, that low slung. When we were walking up the, the pit lane yesterday, I was looking at the Martini liveried Mark car. Yeah. And it was pointing straight towards me. It was actually putting me off talking because it looked so mean. It, it, it looked was, like it was going to jump on you, me. You were having you were having issues getting past really, that car. I was, I really was, was, it was staring at me. Yeah, it was really good. That's the, you're referring to the Wheels FX Racing number 91 car, which is Keith Kasulki's car. And he's yeah. owned a great story who's been through a hell of a lot in his racing career. He was um, burned quite badly mm. at Phillip Island in an Ascari GT3, mm-hmm. the only one that ever came to Australia. Lucky to get out of that and then had a massive crash here last year when the brakes failed yep. at the chase. Cool. Um, Go on and see it. Fastest the corner. The fastest corner in Australian yeah. motorsport, correct. There you go. Um, I'm contractually obliged. I know you are. Y- you know. Um, <laughs> but the storyline's going that. Tim Slade's driving in that car with them, but also the one I'm probably more excited to see is young Cam McLeod, who yeah. is a real bright rising star of our sport in Australia in touring car racing. Um, son of Ryan McLeod, who's been here before. Grandson of Pete, who won the great race in 87 with the great Peter Brock. So it's in his genes. Like that. It is in his DNA it, to yes, come. He, could, he, wasn't going, he was not going to be an no, accountant, no, was he? He had no, no. he had no other options. <laughs> so the, the stories like that I love. So, the, I mean, the, pro, the GT3 cars are all great. Um, it's the the invitational class is pretty spicy. Um, KTM with a fa- legitimate factory presence. Mm. Laura Cryhammer here, yeah. who's their test and development driver in that, and that's a GT2 spec yes. car, which I'm very interested to see how yep. that goes. We've seen GT3 and GT4 alike uh, uh, KTM crossbars in the past, and they've gone well. I will say one of the questions I get asked a lot is how come the invitational cars have to run. A benchmark lap time. So their benchmark lap time is two minutes and six seconds. They go quicker than that. They 100% can. In fact, I remember Anton Di Pasquale was behind the wheel of one of the Mark II cars a couple of years ago, and they they did a 206.001 for their qualifying time. Mm-hmm. And in quali, if you went quicker, you'd just lose that lap time. Yeah. Um, once he'd set that time that was definitely going to be good enough for pole, yeah. they said, all right, mate, go and see, see how fast it can, can go. And he did fours straight away. Yeah. So, and those cars could go quicker than that as well. Um, the answer to the question is, why do they have to run that? Is that if you're Team WRT and you're spending a significant amount of money and investment in resources and you've got BMW factory support and you've got this amazing global enterprise and you're coming to win a GT3 race, mm-hmm. don't want to rock up and get beaten by a Bathurst special. Yeah. It would be an incredible story. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. And it would still be a challenge. But that's not. this is a GT3 race, but we want to keep that additional element of having the different cars in it in a class context yes. and allowing more cars to take part. Because this isn't just a GT3 race and never should it be. I'll say, I'm going yeah. to say that right now. It's not just another GT3 race. This is the Repco Bathurst 12 hours. The yes. interesting thing about that is when I've talked to those guys at the Invitational, mm. they understand completely oh, why totally. they're not allowed to Absolutely. win. They're happy to be here. They're happy to compete. And they know that their entry free and their dollars, mm. whilst it goes towards the event, it's the big manufacturers who are paying well, and getting the coverage. And, and so that's what gets them on the telly correct. as well. And the it's irony, a balance, isn't it? The irony is the more invitational class cars are, the more we're going to talk about what they're doing anyway. Because if it's a really good class battle, we'll give them lots of oh, love yes. regardless. Oh, yes, we will. And it will, be, it will be this year. Uh, Krelsey, thanks for being alongside me for uh, already for some of the Ned Australia 
uh, whiskey, Australian whiskey, uh, early season. Have we uh, seen Scotty yet? No. Fitzsimmons? I, 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 what, what's the matter with this picture? Well, there's no bottle of Ned Australian whiskey in it. I couldn't help but notice. That's right. Um, Scotty is around. We'll, we'll, we'll catch up with him. Uh, Crazy's got to run off and do some um, radio for local stuff. With yeah, I'm going to chat to B-Rock FM. Oh, I love the fact that the local radio station is named after Peter Brock, yes. <laughs> because you have to have the letters. And it's B dash R O C K R O C K ninety nine point three FM, the rock of the West. And as soon as we come over the top to come into Lithgow to make our little coffee stop at Macca's, there, um, we're trying to because you can't hear it right over no. the top of the other side. It's only when you come yeah. start coming down the hill and we get locked in to that. Krelsey, I'll speak to you later on. See you in Thank the you. town. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Richard Krell joining us on Midweek Motorsport, the Bathurst Breakfast Show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we really do need to get on B Rock one of these years and do do a late evening. Late evening with Hindy and Krilsey. That wouldn't get us into any trouble at all. It is Midweek, Midweek Motorsport, Series 19, Episode number 6. And Tim Gray is back up in London. Uh, Nick Damon has, re- Hello. has rejoined us as well. Where would you like to take us for the last half an hour or so of the programme? Uh, well, first of all, I'm not going to do too much on this, but um, the new season of Extreme E starts this weekend... Yes. And unlike the previous three seasons, uh, mm-hmm. we have some changes to teams this year. Well, quick. Well, we... Yeah, we have one that's gone, two don't we? Left oh. and two others have left and one's joined. So they're down three and up one. Is that right? The, w- the one that's joined is uh, the Legacy Motor Club. And they've announced that their drivers... Are they, are they driving around with a couple of Bentleys from the 1950s? <laughs> They've announced that their drivers um, behind the wheels of their Legacy Motor Club Odyssey 21s. Well, one more Fangio. And... Are, are Grey Ledbetter, who is their female driver, and mm-hmm. Jimmy Johnson is their male driver. Okay. Well, he's got off-road experience. So... He, he very much has. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, um, isn't Jimmy Johnson busy doing something else this weekend? Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Did he in Johnson. Daytona? He's in he's, Daytona, he's, yes. His yes, dear job would Daytona. be at the Daytona 500. Yes, yes. the bit of an event clash. Um, so the team has had to find someone to stand in for him. Uh, Is it Sebastian Loeb? <laughs> close, very close. Sebastian Auger? They've gone with Travis Pastrana. Well, in fairness, that's not exactly uh, a step down if you've got Travis in the car. Can I can I ask a quick question? Because I I thought I have only really watched like one of the first series, and they only had six teams. So they've lost three and gained one. That means they've only got four teams now. Or did I miss them getting other teams? Uh, You missed a lot of other teams. Right, I think there were ten before. it, It has it has developed significantly since the early days. Um, still, no. Still, and, and what channel can I watch this on, Tim? Uh, you can watch it on ITV. Really? Yeah. What live? Live. Blimey! Is that new? No, it's uh, always been live on ITV. Yeah, there's the problem. <laughs> uh, it so doesn't work for live, does it? It's twelve, twelve till two on uh, Saturday and Sunday in the UK. In the UK. Yeah. Uh, Where, where's the event? Sorry, uh, Saudi Arabia. Oh, okay. Saudi Arabia. Um, Travis Pastrana said... Uh, you Ever since think, he was a small boy? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. He said... Uh, Such a missed opportunity. I've never beaten Matthias Ekstrom at anything. And before he retires, I want to beat him. So <laughs> that's my biggest reason for, t- for participating in this event, other than helping out my friend Jimmy. 
for the first time in my life, I want to beat Matthias. I think that's actually pretty cool. Um, I, I've done a few enough? events. I've done a few events where Travis Bastian's been around, notably uh, the Race of the Clouds. I've done a few Peak. events with Matthias Ekstrom that has been around uh, as well. That is a fair point, well made. Uh, Travis is just... How can I describe... He's like the world's happiest golden retriever. He's just really happy with life. Um, he's, uh, and he's very quick on anything. We know what he's done in the past on bikes. He's, he's transferred to cars. He's done the uh, race of champions and been very successful in that. He's done extreme sport. I mean, he's just annoyingly good at everything. And you would... You would like to hope that there would be some character trait where you'd think, yeah, yeah, but he's a really awful bloke. And he's not. He's a lovely, lovely bloke who has time. For, watch him. Um, he has time for everyone. Watch him at an, at an autograph signing. He's gold standard. Absolutely brilliant. He'll be good. He'll be good. He'll take it seriously. He'll have a smile on his face all the time, particularly when he's talking to the cameras. But he will be zoned in 100%. There is another new team as well, Nick, uh, which is the Sun Mini Meal team. And they've got uh, Timo Scheider and Clara Anderson as their drivers. Uh, And the other teams involved are Rosberg, Veloce, uh, McLaren, Andretti, and Mm -hmm. JBXE, which is Jensen Button's team. So that's yeah. the seven teams now, are there? Seven teams now. Yeah. Okay. So there were eight and there's now seven. Right. Okay, so it still means um, qualifying, knockouts, because do they still only run four cars in the final? Or do they still... Three cars in the final. Three cars in the final now. Okay. Three teams in the final. Three, yeah. Yeah. What? Who? Oh. So they have uh, qualifiers and they have a... Um, repechage. Repechage and then they have a final... One of my favourite words, repechage. And one which could, is not could used be in motor racing enough uh, no. for my no. liking. You see it, it so much in things like cycling, but uh, rowing. Uh, rowing, yes, but not not so much in. Uh, I I always think sport. it can only only be made better by saying, and here's the repechage where they will be starting in echelon. See, that to me is just about a perfect. The only thing is, and I find this very difficult at Le Mans. uh, And back to the peloton. Oh, yes, very good. Um, I find it difficult at Le Mans. If if only the French had a word for for echelon. uh, Yes. Well, if only they had a word for repichage. I'm not sure. Well, true. Good fair point. uh, Last last chance race. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. Course de dernière chance. Chance, (laughs) yes. As it were. Uh, so um, Alan Prosser has just pointed out Travis Pastana, who's the only X Games gold medalist on two and four wheels. It's not Sir John Surtees. I know he wasn't officially knighted, but he always will be in my head. Um, but it's still pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Moving along. Um, what was I going to say? Where was I going to do? Was I going to do some more sports car news here? Who knows? Can do if you wish. Who, yeah. who knows indeed? Is there a quiz? No quiz this week. We really don't have time for a quiz, although I think it's... We haven't had... Have we had one this year? I don't remember one. I don't think so. I think I think perhaps it's about time we had one. Okay. Start thinking for one for next week. Ooh, yes. Is it just a normal show next week? No special locations or venues or anything like that? I will be in a secret location. Yes, you week? will. 
Exciting. Mm. Uh, there's a bit of IMSA news. Uh, starting with the uh, Porsche Sprint Challenge North, uh, sorry, Porsche Carrera Cup North America, North America. who mm-hmm. uh, have, uh, Kenny Moss have announced one of their drivers, Jordan Wallace, who previously rated for them in the Porsche Sprint Challenge North America, which is why I yep. said that. Uh, he's uh, moving up to the big cars this year. Yeah. Uh, That's in addition. Sorry, go on. Go, ahead. go on. That's in addition to um, another European that Kelly Moss have signed. Have you seen that, Tim? This is uh, the another. They do like their Dutch drivers. Luke I've got a Dutch Hartog. person, have they? Yeah. Yes. Had not Luke seen Hartog has signed for them as well. He's very well thought of uh, is, is Luke. He's been in the single make... Porsche single mate category system for four years, maybe five. And he he was a Benelux um, Carrera Cup winner and he finished second in Carrera Cup Germany. Now, if you're in the top three or four in a championship in Carrera Cup Germany, that's generally seen, isn't it, Tim, as second only to Super Cup? Yes. So that's two very, very sharp young drivers that On the basis Andy Kilcoyne and Victoria have got. The only other... Uh, uh, championship where uh, Walter Lechner will uh, uh, enter a car for you, I think. Mm. Uh, bit of uh, Lamborghini Super Trofeo in North America news. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Wesley Slim, a former race winner, has confirmed he's going to be coming back and doing that championship again this year. But not mm-hmm. only that, he's mm-hmm. also going to be doing the new uh, Mustang Challenge. He signed yes. for PPM for that uh, championship. And we'll have uh, live coverage of that in Sound and Vision from Mid-Ohio, IMSA round onwards. So that is Mid-Ohio's Le Mans Test Weekend. It is. And that is when that championship starts. So uh, we'll have Porsche extended coverage in, of that. The are in Canada that weekend as well. So very busy weekend. That's four IMSA championships in two different places because we've got Mazdas, we've got Mustangs, and we've got Michelin Pilot Challenge, all the M's at Mid-Ohio. And then Porsche Carrera Cup North America um, fulfilled its North America uh, at, uh, yes, in Canada at Mont- Montreal. Which also begins with a M. With a M, yes. So that weekend, certainly for our IMSA coverage, is brought to you by the letter M and a lot of technical wizardry. Someone else who is uh, going to be doing the Lamborghini Super Trofeo in North America again mm. uh, is Luke Barkley. Uh, he right. took five Pro-Am class uh, victories last season uh, before finishing runner-up in that category. Uh, and he'll be alongside Garrett Adams. Mm. Very good. And we will have coverage of uh, Super Trofeo as well, of course, on RS yes. Radio. Yes, that starts at Sebring, does it? Uh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. And the week before Sebring, I mean, we're trailing ahead a little bit, and let's not forget it is the Raps, uh, Repco Bathurst 12 hours this weekend, but it's only fair to look ahead. We've been talking about WEC. Um, the week before Sebring, so that's the weekend of the 9th and 10th, of March, I think it's only on the Saturday. There's two VP Racing um, Championship events from the streets of St. Petersburg. Yes, uh, supporting with IndyCar, the Blue we'll, IndyCar. 
and we will have uh, live coverage of that for you uh, on RS2 and we'll have some sound for the, some vision rather for those of you outside of you of the US and I'm I'm going to be calling those for you so I'm looking forward to that which brings us on to IndyCar news oh uh, because they've had a big announcement today oh have they yes right I may uh, have missed this this is calendar news oh you do like a good calendar don't you <laughs> Uh, and NASCAR, uh, sorry, oh, NASCAR. Oh, yes. IndyCar issued uh, their calendar uh, some time ago, and September the 15th uh, is the Big Machine Music City Grand Prix uh, in Nashville. But it's not, uh, it was announced today, going to be on the streets of Nashville like it was last year, no. but on the uh, National Fairground Speedway. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, the super speedway rather than the fairgrounds. This is interesting. Um, they had to they had to slightly change the course last year because of of roadworks in the city, and so the course was amended a little bit. Uh, look, it's all it's always going to be tight around. Do, the do city you know why street. these uh, roadworks are yes. in place? Nick yes. does. Nick does. They're Nick. building the new Tennessee Titans Stadium. Yes. Which obviously the mighty, is, mighty Titans. Or, which is obviously one of those marvellous things in America where the local council uh, builds a $2 billion stadium for, this, for the football team. And the football team hasn't yeah. got to pay for it because they've got no money, obviously, NFL teams. Mm. Barely. Barely scratching by. The Nis- it's the Nissan Arena at the moment, isn't it? I charged the Taycan it is. in the car park of that whilst, uh, whilst watching a Formula... Of course you did. Whilst, no, seriously, while f- watching a Formula One practice session. Did, um, by the way, talk about American football. Did you see that there was... Did you see the... the they were saying that someone said that the, yeah, the Super Bowl was the biggest um, sporting event in the world. And someone... Um, yeah. And someone... No, uh, single, sing, that they said... They no, said it was the like biggest this, on, on, single site. Right, go on. And they countered that by pointing out there were more people in attendance at the Checker Trade Trophy game final between Portsmouth and Sunderland. <laughs> of course. Three years ago. So I just thought you'd like to know that, that information, Jonathan. Because we were both there. It's not, even, <laughs> it's not even the biggest single-day sporting crowd in the United States. No. At a single event. Indy. Correct. By quite a large margin. So we were at that. Uh, we were at the Checker Trade uh, Portsmouth Sunderland game. It mm. didn't work out the way we wanted, but it was absolutely rammed to the rafters. You would have needed liquid soap and a shoehorn to get anybody else in. So we were part of that. I know. We'd flown in from Italy. I seem to remember. I hadn't. <laughs> no, you had. I got the Hammersmith and City line. Yes, and thank you for that because we wouldn't have been there without you, Tim. So thank you very much indeed. I always consider when I see Wembley on the uh, on the telly now, and I, I, I see those padded seats just uh, behind the the dugouts. I, I always consider those as our seats. Yes, there. which is why they're mm. so often empty, isn't it? Yeah, it's a fair point because we can't get there. I wish that was the, the case. Anyway, as the bit, so so it's all about the roadworks again, and they feel that they they don't want to change the track again, so they put it on the oval. But it's still going to be the finale, correct? Yes. Yep. Okay. Good. Uh, oh, so here's here's a trivia question then. When was the last time that an oval was the final of IndyCar? Oh, that would have been Homestead Miami Speedway in two thousand and something. Twelve. It was a, 
15, it's been 14, at WeatherTech for a 13. while, hasn't it, before that? They had those double points races at, at um, what was then Mazda and then became WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. Um, so there you go. That's about your team. Uh, where to next? Tim, what are you staying with IndyCar? Uh, so, just uh, to say that the Indy Next by Firestone uh, Championship has also moved its uh, season finale to the Nashville Super Speedway. Uh, rather than deciding to go ahead on their own on the streets. <laughs> well, they might have, might have been stuck in roadworks. <laughs> yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> uh, and hang on, hang on. Here comes, you know, car number 15. Oh, and he's missed the traffic lights. That's going to cost him. He'll be sitting there for a good two or three minutes now. Could lose the lead lap. Which uh, Actually, do you know what? I quite like that idea. <laughs> which IndyCar driver lives in Tennessee? Uh... Joseph Newgarden does now, yes. doesn't he? Yes. He says, Nashville's a great market for the NTT IndyCar Series. Perfect host city for our championship finale. Wrapping the season on a high-speed oval is going to be really thrilling for everyone, most especially our fans. As a Nashville resident myself, I'm also excited Scott Borchetta and his team are still planning to host activations and entertainment downtown, ensuring the entire city feels the presence and energy of the weekend. He helped design the, the original street circuit, Joseph. Mm. Um, so, and Scott Borchetta is huge. He, he is, is big machine records. Yes. I mean, he, he's a huge personality. He is big machine records. Uh, uh, Tony Kanaan mm-hmm. said, uh, we always need more ovals. I'm very fond of my win at Nashville Super Speedway. It's the coolest trophy I own. Right. Is that a guitar? I guess it must be. Or a metal equivalent of a car. Surely it'd be a slide guitar, wouldn't it? Ooh, very good. Pedal steel. Mm. Uh, so that's uh, IndyCar. They have. Uh, we need to do our IndyCar preview. We need to find Sorry, a date you didn't to do, do that. Didn't do the fact that um, you do the fact that Dave Malukas has busted his hand. I was about to come on to that. Yes. Yeah. So oh, you, you that, said that, that for IndyCar. Or did I have? No, he was going to. He was going to slide that into the oft used in these circumstances cycling injuries yes, news. Mount, mountain biking Not tennis. news. <laughs> Not tennis, surely. <laughs> Tennis, Tennessee. Who, who believes that David Maluk has broke his hand by falling off his bicycle? I believe he may have fallen off a two-wheeled vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I'm hearing from Matthew Hindman, Fontana in 2016 may have been the last time IndyCar had its finale on an oval. Yeah, I'll go with that. Very good, Matthew. Very good. I'd expect your team, if you know better, obviously. Come on, move on. Okay, I'm just looking David for... David Malukas brought his hands. More news. Is he going to miss anything? Is he going to miss yeah, anything? Yeah, the first oh, race. Yes. All right, okay. He's having surgery so he's on it. Plate. Right, okay. Good. Uh, talking have I, about... Have I got time? Come on. Yeah, yes, you have got time. Go on. Um, I just want to say um, congratulations to everybody involved in the... IMSA International Stream, and that includes IMSA and NASCAR Productions, and obviously we provide the the audio. Um, Their uh, numbers have just come out, and whilst there was a drop in American TV uh, audience, uh, quite a significant one, um, actually, uh, Peacock in the States went up, um, I think, more than doubled on Daytona last year, and you, our international audience, also 
went up as well by a significant margin, almost half as much again. And we had some good numbers on the audio-only stream as well, um, which was also up uh, nearly, uh, well, just under a fifth, I think. And so very, very good news. People perhaps consuming uh, it slightly differently and not so much on linear TV in the States, at least. But the the international feed uh, up significantly. So for all of you who log in and, and watch that, thank you very much, because that's, that's a, a good news story from IMSA um, being reported uh, on racer.com uh, earlier, in the early hours here today, so w- within uh, Wednesday, back with, back with you guys. And keep it up, please, because we're off to Sebring next. And where would you like to take us? Staying on two wheels, unlike David Malukas. Yeah. Oh, yes. very good. But um, It's not fair. Mm. Whose words are those? Uh, I don't know. Any number of uh, whinging riders, I expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what have we just had? This is uh, World Superbikes. Oh, I got that wrong mm. there. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was Bagnar complaining about the claiming teams thing. Mm. Well, Superbike's saying it's not fair. Yes. Oh. oh, this is a really easy one. Nick. You should be getting this. What, because they've cancelled Argentina? No. Uh, um, it's gone to Spain. Uh, no, go on, tell me. Who, who says it's not fair? This is Alvaro Bautista. Oh, is it the beam? Because they're, they're weighting up his bike to be the same weight as And only him. Well, that's because he's that's a little bit. Yes, exactly. Being small makes it harder for me to ride this bike. Yeah, that was quite obvi- ob- obvious last year. Mm, and the year mm. before, yeah. Uh, when you add seven kilos, because you have a setup on the bike the last two years like we did, now with more kilos, it's more difficult to ride, he said yes. in a really poorly translated which, from the original Spanish sentence. Which everyone mm. else has been having a lot more than seven kilos. You know, it's, yes, it but is... that's on the ride and not on the bike. Um, yes, but it's cars... power to weight. And it's... Yeah, exactly. Cars should be weighed as a um, without the rider uh, without the driver because you do get um, particularly tall drivers having to get down they're like flat race jockeys they're trying to get down to the lowest way possible and and when you think that somebody like um, Warren Hughes raced I think at 60 kilos 62 kilos Danica Patrick used to race at 58 um, Paul Tracy, who we were talking about, who's here, um, his race weight would have been 90 kilos, something like that. That's a huge difference. Paul Tracy um, said isn't 90 kilos now. No, indeed he's not. Um, now, in a car, that's one thing. But a few kilos on a bike, as Nick has mentioned, what what, what are superbikes putting out now? 300, 320? Oh, no, no, superbikes like are about 240, 250. Oh, all right, oh, barely worth getting on one then. Um, two forty-two fifty, and so five or six kilos on that is a significant am- amount of power advi- uh, performance well, it's, advantage. Isn't it's it? also about things. What was what was Bautista particularly particularly good at last year? Saving his tyres, and you know, and having less weight to accelerate and brake, he's going to save his yeah. tyres, isn't it? No, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I can understand. I, I understand why he feels unhappy, but in fairness, it's fair. <laughs> you know. Uh, except in his eyes. Uh, Motor uh, World Superbike starts uh, where you are, John, or close well, to well, you. Not actually, it, it was it was 
Uh, they're down at Phillip Island, not this weekend, but next weekend. Yes. And there's a couple of people in this paddock. I'm looking over at the front bench on the left-hand side of the Repco Bathurst 12-hour press room where the BMW contingent are. Britt is heading on down there uh, for superbikes. It was a strong consideration, especially as there's a flight from um, Melbourne to Qatar, as, as to whether I went to the WEC Prologue or to superbikes at Phillip Island, as I've never been to either. It's a new tra- would be a new track either way. Um, however, as we covered WEC probably in a little more depth and with more live coverage than we do World Superbikes right now, um, the management decision nah. was made that I'm I'm going to to Qatar, which I, 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 I you know a, a vote was taken, and uh, it was one and, nil. Uh, <laughs> and it was one each, and there was Cassie. No, it wasn't. No, it was one nil. <laughs> no, you really it's not. stop abstaining, John. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, no, not at all. Actually, it just it makes more sense to to go and get some content at uh, at. Are we seeing Lozale now or Luzale? Because it's it's they always become a U for hey? for Catter. What? It's Luz- it, it used to be Lausale, didn't it? L-O-S. Yes, and it's now Lausale. And now it's L-U-S. Lausale. Is this a so change in did... the translation of the Arabic? Is it yes. Well, uh, okay. I think it's when they did the track changes. They, they took a little bit of the Orwit at the top and, oh. uh, and became a U. So it's Lausale now. Um, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm very excited to go and take off another circuit. Uh, I've been told by the people I know in the the motorcycle paddocks the the change from what it was before obviously I never saw that is significant um, our TV director Nathan has done F1 there and he was saying it's incredible uh, but try and get a drive around the track just to sort of get yourself orientated because there's a lot of bits that look the same so well I'll try and do that in my whatever it is Ford Figo hire car or whatever it is I get so we'll give it a go and uh, MotoGP, uh, we should have talked about this last week, uh, but we didn't. Mm. Um, and in fact, the test didn't finish until Thursday. But they did some testing at uh, Sepang last week. Uh, who was fast, Nick? Uh, the, t- the 24 spec Ducatis were first. So yes. Paul Gay Martin, Francesco Bagnaia, um, and... Uh, not, that's not your fra- international motorcycle surprised face. That even from no. this distance, I can tell that. Nick. No, I mean they, they they have made another click on ahead. It appears in the the aero wars mm. have moved on dramatically. Um, they are sticking bits to it, to all the bikes, uh, all over them, um, and it's getting a little bit out of hand in many ways. But um, KTM obviously have actually got Red Bull doing all their aerodynamics, so uh, they've they've really pushed that one on. Um, it's the, yeah. KTM sponsored by Red Bull and some Red Bull money, and it's all the the Austrian mafia, isn't it? Um, so just to clarify what Nick was trying to tell us, Francesco Bagnai was fastest ahead of Jorge Martin and Ennio Bastianini, uh, and then fourth fastest was Alex Marquez on uh, last year's Ducati. That's because Frank yeah. uh, Frankie Morbidelli, who should be the fourth person on the new uh, on the new one, was injured. Yes. Mm. Uh, the highest placed non Ducati was uh, Alex Espargaro on the uh, Aprilia. Yep. Um, 
and mm -hmm. the I'm just trying to find where the highest Japanese bike was. Was that Joanne Mir on the Honda? Yeah, Mir or... Yeah, was a bit below. Quattararo and the Yamaha was 11th. Yeah. And, Pedro, and Pedro Acosta, the uh, rookie, was only a couple of thousandths off Brad Binder and, and was apparently one of the most impressive people of all on the KTM. So he's the next big thing. Yes. Even mm. though he's not very big, obviously, uh, with or without balance. The next, is he the next... In, in that case, is he literally the next small thing? He's, I think he's, he's smallish. He's not super small. He's not, <laughs> he's not Pedroza small. Right. Is he next medium thing, then? Is mm, that Possibly. They're all quite whippy. Yeah, he doesn't they? talk to spirits, though. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the interesting thing is um, <laughs> the fastest average lap time over long runs. So these are people who've done runs of nine laps or more. Mm -hmm. uh, the fastest average lap time among those was Fabio Di, G, Di Giantonio, mm -hmm. uh, also on a Ducati. Um, Gian oh, Antonio. Yes. Mm -hmm. We need to find a way of saying that in a less... Digi. More Italian way. It's just Digi. 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 Yeah. Digi, Digi was fastest, okay, uh, on the long runs. Yes, there's some sprint race uh, emulations, but, yeah, it's it's testing. And I think that's all we've got time for. Well, uh, yes, okay. Um, thank you to everyone concerned, uh, to Adam Carter for giving us the rundown on that new Aston Martin GT3, GT4 Vantage. And thank you for all the kind comments on that. It, it was very interesting how he took it through. And we'll have more from Adam through the season. Thanks to Simon Strang for uh, setting that one up. Alex Gibo, uh thank you to uh, Vincent Franceschini for uh, setting that one up for us. Uh, Alex Gibo joining us on the line. Uh, he'll be with us uh, later on in our coverage I'm sure from here at the Rep Club Bathurst 12 hours Krilzy of course uh, has been a superstar as ever and you'll hear more from him in our Ned Australian Whiskey early week coverage to which we have added video on Friday and Saturday morning uh, you've not seen those before you've only heard them those uh, 12 hour sessions so make sure you're tuned in Tim is literally as we finish this show is going to be putting the pages together and we'll send out the links where you can join us uh, for those and the international feed has uh, no breaks of course uh, in that and the audio still on RS1 as a separate entity for those of you who are either bandwidth challenged or travelling and can't look at a video screen shouldn't be looking at a video screen aren't going to be looking at a video screen are you no thank you very much indeed uh still to come then i'm off down to town where the cars will be driving through the seats uh, straight i was down in an alterana last year um i'm not i haven't seen brad actually from the uh, uh from the motor museum national motor museum but i'm sure he'll be taking something taking something tasty down so i might hitch a ride with him in that and we'll have some coverage from that uh, later on the week that will certainly go out on rs1 but as soon as i get that through to tim um, we'll get that published for you and I'm going to grab Krilzy he's sitting at the back I'm going to grab Krilzy this afternoon and we will have a wander down the pit lane uh, and just 
point out some of those bucket of big stories that we were talking about. That was Midweek Motorsport, the Bathurst Breakfast Show, uh, Series 19, Episode 6. Thanks to uh, Nick and to Tim and to our responsible adult, Eve Hewitt, who is everywhere. Uh, We'll be back later on in the week. Uh, For now, uh, there's no time to explain because the llama is looking at old race cars. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, subscribe to Midweek Motorsport wherever you get your podcasts.